0: Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Well, we are excited because we're launching a brand new uh, two-week series today. And it's entitled this, Wise Men Still Seek Him. Wise men still seek Him. And so let me dive right into our our text today. It's found in Matthew chapter two, starting in verse one. And this is the story of the magi that visit Jesus or the Messiah. Let's start in verse one, here we go. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where's the one who has been born king of the Jews. We saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. Let me skip down to verse nine. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, of frankincense, and myrrh. And so if you're taking notes, the subtitle uh, for this first message in this series is this. It's Jesus is worth the pursuit. How many of you know Jesus is worth the pursuit this morning? Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this time that we get to gather together. I thank you for all that you are doing uh, in the lives of the people of your church, and I thank you that we uh, can gather and be challenged and changed by your word, and I pray that nothing uh, would, would interfere, but God, your word would go forth with clarity and help us to have hearts that are ready to receive, and I pray your anointing upon this message. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. 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 Well, church, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas around here, as the song says. How many of you love Christmas time? All right, you're my people, I like that. You can see the Christmas trees and I love the Christmas songs. I love the Christmas season, I love the Christmas meals. Come on, somebody, we like the meals, right? I love it and I'm an early adopter. Our household, like, we put up our Christmas tree very, very early and so uh, any early, let me me say this. Uh, How many of you put up your Christmas tree before Thanksgiving, any before Thanksgiving people? Clap your hands if that's you so I can get, okay, all right. Before Thanksgiving, that's cool. We put up our Christmas tree at our house at the Ingle household on October 28th. And I remember that because my son's birthday is on October 27th, and he's like, Dad, can we at least wait till after my birthday? And so I compromised, and we waited, but I love it. I'm like, hey, if I'm gonna put up the trees and the lights and go through all that work, I want like a couple months that I can just sit back and enjoy that thing. And so, yeah, all right, that, very good. Some people are with me. Now, how many of you would say, no, we're more traditional, we're more conservative in nature, and uh, we put up our tree at least after Thanksgiving? Clap your hands if that's you. Okay. You're kind of boring, but that's all right. It's all good. Um, Any that have still yet, I can't even fathom this, but surely not in this church because we celebrate the birth of our Lord Savior, Jesus Christ, Uh, still yet to put up your Christmas tree? Clap your hands if that's you. Really? Everybody look at all the Grinches around you. And you can judge them. Silently, though, don't don't let them know. But I love Christmas, and uh, one of the traditions that we have at our house is we put up the Christmas nativity. And this is actually the one that we have at our house. It sits out, it's been up, and so I kind of stole it for this uh, time together today so I could share it with you. But here you see, you got... Um, you got Joseph, and you have Mary, and of course, baby Jesus that they're holding there, and you got this really large camel that seems a little bit too big, but that's okay. Other animals, you know, sheep, and the goats, and the donkey, and the shepherds that are over here. And as I began to study for this message and kinda uh, open scripture, we began to read about these three magi, or these three wise men. In fact, there were more than just three and I'll get into that in just just a moment, but these are the ones that came and presented their gifts to Jesus. And why would they do this? If you think they're just meandering wise men that are just kinda like bored and they're out, in the desert and they happen to see a twinkle in the sky and then they're like, hey, did you see that? Let's, let's follow this star and happen to stumble upon Jesus. Then you're completely missing the context of what this story is about. In fact, these wise men or magi, they came from the east, uh, maybe uh, Babylon or Persia and they weren't just kind of like roaming around. In fact, they were kingmakers of the massive empire of the Middle East and there could have been hundreds that came. There could have been even thousands of soldiers that that came escorting and and, and servants and cooks and craftsmen all on this journey in pursuit of Jesus. These were men who were well-educated in philosophy, in mathematics and agriculture and other sciences and astronomy, in fact. And they were extremely influential men. These men knew the scripture. They were known to be interpreters of dreams. The Magi, in fact, were known as King Makers or King Appointers. And they had absolute power to select the King of the Empire. They were the Royal King Makers. And then we find out that they come to Jerusalem, not really on the night that Jesus was born, although this nativity kind of has it wrong. Really, we could separate these Magi and have them far off because they came much later, in fact, Uh, scholars think that it could be upwards to two years before they actually made their journey journey and their pursuit to where Jesus was. Scripture supports that because we know that um, in Matthew 2, 16, uh, Herod sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old or under. And even the, the text that we read a few moments ago says that the young child was in a house and not a manger. But when they arrived isn't really the topic of discussion today, but rather, why would they seek him? Why would this group of highly influential men that were well-educated, that knew the scripture, why would they seek after the Messiah? Well, um, according to our text, and I love this, the Bible says that they came to worship him. Are there any worshipers in the room today that you love to worship your Savior? Well, they were no different. And they began to make their way to Jesus and they had authority and, and people were kinda looking for their cue. Is this really the king? And when they came into that city, they did not appoint Herod as the king. They actually appointed Jesus as the king. And that's why their first, um, their first gift of gold represented that. Gold is still valuable today. Gold is a, a precious metal, it, it holds, uh, intrinsic value. In fact, if I started a ministry and at the close of every service I gave away gold bars, how many of you know you'd be like, "I'm in line because it still holds value." And so when they were saying, uh, "This is this is gold. This is gift. That is this is a gift that is fitting for a king," they're saying he is the king, and not just an earthly king. He's the king of all kings, and he's the Lord of lords. Are you thankful today that you serve the King of Kings? Amen. Amen. And they move on to the next gift called frankincense. And maybe you're like me, but when you're little, you probably thought it was Frankenstein. And your mom had to say, no, it's not Frankenstein, it's frankincense. Well, what is frankincense? Well, frankincense is a really cool gift because it was used in temple routines and it was burned ceremonially by the priests. And so that, that brought their, uh, their prayers up to heaven and it was believed to do so. And it wasn't native to that region So it was even more costly for them to bring this gift. And as they presented this gift of frankincense to Jesus, they were symbolically saying, this is a gift for the priest. Not just a priest, the high priest. And I love that Hebrews chapter four, verse 15 says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize or sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. And this is before the the writer of Hebrews even uh, wrote this, but they're saying he is the high priest. We're identifying him as that. And then they get to the final gift, which is the gift of myrrh. And this is perhaps the most mysterious of all the gifts. It's, uh, it's a resin that's produced by a small, tough, scraggly tree that grows in the semi-desert regions of North Africa and the Red Sea. And it's an Arabic word for bitter. And it's considered a wound healer. And if you look at that word, it symbolizes bitterness and suffering and affliction. And so they're saying that this child that, they, that they've you know, journeyed so far to identify and recognize as the king, they're saying not only is he a king, the king of kings, not only is he the high priest, and that's why we offer him the frankincense, but we also offer him the gift of myrrh, and that represents that he is gonna live his life and die for the salvation of mankind. He's the savior. Aren't you glad that you have a savior today? Amen? And I love that. That's good news. That's why that's why we get so excited about a season like Christmas because Jesus came, not just as king, but as our savior. That is good news to us. If you're the type of person that you'd say, well, I have a perfect life. I've never messed up and I don't need a savior. I would say, oh yeah, you do. Because everybody does, the pastors. I can, say, I can boldly confess this out loud. I am a man in need of a savior, every pastor on our staff, we will say we are men and women in need of a savior, every volunteer and small group leader, we all need a savior and yes, you too, no matter where you're at, whether you're at one of our campuses or you're watching us online or you're here in this room, we have to understand that we are all in a place where we need a savior and Jesus came to fulfill that. In fact, Matthew chapter one, verse 20 says, she will give birth to a son you are to give them, him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. It's in his name, church, do you realize that? That Jesus means God saves or God to the rescue. Isn't that awesome? Yes. And so when they came, they said, okay, he's the king. He's the high priest. And he's our savior. And they recognized him as such. That Jesus is bigger than ourselves. He's bigger than just the magi. He's worth our pursuit, and let me just tell you this, that we are hardwired to pursue something that is bigger and greater than ourselves. It's in all of us. It's in our DNA if you If you've been on a quest, and you've been kind of on a journey, and you've yet to pursue Jesus, I can promise you it's gonna end in emptiness, and sadness, and despair, because it's not fulfilling. All of us have to come to the place where we understand that Jesus is worth the pursuit. And I'm gonna take a moment and just kind of parallel a couple different stories in the Bible. The first one is one that I just took the time to read, and that's the story of the Magi and how they were on their journey to the house where Jesus was and where where, where the child was. But also, I I wanna read a text from the book of Luke, and I I want you to think about this because when Jesus was a child, he hadn't really activated his earthly ministry yet, but years later, this same Jesus that we read about, he was walking in the streets and he had started his public ministry and he was out healing people and, uh, and teaching people and, it, and it's awesome. So let's read this story about Jesus and what took place. This is found in Luke chapter eight, verse 42. It says this, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman who was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. "'Who touched me?' Jesus asked. And when they all denied it, Peter said, "'Master, the people are crowding "'and pressing in all around you.' But Jesus said, "'No, someone has touched me. "'I know that power has gone out from me.' Then the woman, saying that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. And the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then verse 48 says, "'Then he said to her, "'Daughter, your faith has healed you. "'Go in peace.'" I'm going to bring out some truths in both of these stories, but here's the first one. Those who seek after him, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Those who seek after him will, number one, identify the one. They will identify the one, and that's what this woman did. In verse 44, the Bible says, she came up behind him. She could have gone in a lot of different directions. She could have chosen another doctor, perhaps, or she could have went this way or that way. But she said, you know what? I realize that what I need is Jesus. She identified her healer. She identified her hope, and she said, Jesus, I need you. I have this condition, and the only one that can heal me is Jesus. And I want to just challenge you today, if you've yet to make that declaration in your own life, that Jesus is the one in your life. I mean, some of you have been just roaming and going from this interest to this passion to this passion, and you've yet to really decide that Jesus is the one that you should be pursuing. I remember uh, several years ago, this is when my daughter was younger, she went through this phase where she was like sleepwalking, and it was maybe four weeks or something like that, and there was one night that my wife woke me up, and she said, I think somebody's at our door. And I'm like, well, that sounds kind of scary. Because usually if our kids want to come in the room, they're not shy. They're just going to turn the knob. and They're going to bust through and probably scare us half to death. You know? But this one wasn't like that. This was just like this, no entry, but somebody just coming and, and moving the door handle. And it was jiggling a little bit. And I'm like, this is creepy. And so I got up and I, and I, I started to approach the door. And there's a nightlight that, that uh, illuminates the floor area. And I saw two little feet that are outside the the door. And I'm like, this is it. This is how I'm gonna die, right here. Babe, I love you. Uh, You know, see ya in heaven, type of thing. And so I opened the door and it was like a scene out of a horror film, I gotta be honest with you. Because my daughter, she had crazy bed head and she has blonde hair and it was all messy and she had her uh, pajama nightgown thing on and she had this little teddy bear and her head was kind of tilted to the side and she just had this blank stare on her face. And I'm like, what is it that you need? And she's just like staring at me. (laughs) Gave me nightmares, to be honest with you. And so I was like, what is it that you need? And she couldn't articulate it, she couldn't identify it. And thank God she grew out of that, but that was a weird little phase that we went through with her. But as I began to uh, think about this, this text, that is a good depiction of how a lot of us are when it comes to our pursuit in Jesus. We're just kind of roaming around. If somebody were to ask you, hey, what is it that you need? What is it, what is it that you want? You couldn't articulate it, you couldn't identify it. But how many of you know there's something powerful that happens when you could be choosing a lot of different things, a lot of different interests, a lot of different pursuits, but you say, I know what I want. His name is Jesus, he's my healer, he's my savior, and I will pursue him. So you got to identify the one. That's why I'm so excited about what's to come in January. And can you believe that it's almost 2023? Feels like it's July. And then we went to bed, we came up and we're like, Merry Christmas. That's what it feels like. But uh, January is going to be phenomenal. January 1st through the 21st, we're going to be doing something. And before I kind of like lets you know what we're gonna be doing as a church, I wanna just preface this by, by saying God is up to something really, really special in this, in this house, do you believe that? And I know you sense it, God's been stirring our pastors and our leaders and our staff for what is to come, and I'm telling you, God is gonna do so much, we're, we're building and we're dreaming and we're gonna see our influence and our reach become even stronger and greater, but before we do that, I think God wants to take us deeper. He wants us all individually to, to have a relationship that's stronger with him than we've ever had before. And that's what January is about. And so I'm gonna mention something. And I would, ch- I love our culture when we start talking about uh, an offering and we, uh, giving an offering and, and giving to God and returning the tithe where we get excited and we clap and there's genuine anticipation and excitement about that moment. I think when we talk about, what I'm about to introduce in a second, I think we should have that same level of anticipation. I'm gonna put you to the test, are you ready? January 1 through, through 21, we're gonna have a 21-day fast. It's gonna be a season of prayer and fasting. You passed the test. Pastor David, they passed the test. Two tests today. They're doing pretty good. So I no, I'm, I'm not trying to, to hype anybody up just for the sake of hype. I believe there's gonna be a deepening that happens in our church, and so start to prepare. Start to uh, just get it in your hearts and get it in your spirits about what God is gonna do through this season of prayer and fasting. I mean, we're gonna see uh, people continue to come in and lives that are gonna be changed, but, but first, he wants to do something deep in us. So I had this thought, what if we didn't just stumble upon different aspects of God, but what if we truly sought after him? Because the truth is, listen, you don't just casually find Christ No, you seek him out. In fact, who was it? Oh yeah, it was Jesus himself. When he's preaching the greatest sermon ever preached called the Sermon on the Mount. And he said this in Matthew chapter seven, verse seven. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, what will happen? The door will be opened. Now, notice what it doesn't say. Jesus isn't just kind of casually saying, well, just walk aimlessly and just kind of roam around and you may accidentally discover me. He's saying, no, make up in your mind that you want me. And I just pray that that would be something that all of us could grab a hold of, like this woman who said, I'm gonna take steps toward Jesus. I'm gonna take steps toward him. And maybe you can say, you know what? I'm gonna take steps toward deeper worship. I'm going to go deeper in my worship than I ever had before. In moments of worship, I'm going to enter in on a deep level and not just go through the motions, but I'm going to connect with Jesus on a daily basis that way. I'm going to make steps towards a sincere prayer life and and do things like fasting and praying. I'm going to make steps toward opening up the word of God daily. Listen, if you're here, and you have yet to open up your word on a daily basis, I'm just gonna say it out loud, now's the time for you, right? Don't let any condemnation hold you back, just decide, you know what, tomorrow's a new day, today's a new day, so what am I gonna do? I'm gonna open up my word daily and I'm gonna receive in a fresh, fresh way. I'm gonna make steps, toward hanging out with godly friends. Those are going to build me up and lift me up, and I'm going to stay away from those that that tear me down. I'm going to make steps toward maybe a discipleship class or a grow class so that I can grow in my relationship with Jesus. The Magi said, he's the one. He's the Messiah. And to us, we already know he's come, but can you imagine for this group of men that had wisdom and were very intelligent very well educated, when they started to hear the rumblings and see all the signs pointing to the Messiah that he's really coming, can you imagine how that must have felt? Because they knew the text in Isaiah that said that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. They knew the, the text in Micah that said that he would be born in Bethlehem. And then they see the star. That's why they were overjoyed because they recognized that he was the one. And they came with all of their authority and all of their uh, uh, you know, they were deemed and, and represented within the magi themselves, and they laid it all down, and the Bible says they came to what? To worship him. They said, he's the one. And that's something powerful that happens when we realize that it's Jesus we've been looking for the whole time. Wise men realize that they need him. Amen? Secondly, you can write this down, but those who seek after him will overcome the obstacles. In verse 44, it says that she's pressing in through the crowd and she came up behind Jesus. My wife and I, we had the opportunity to go to uh, New York last December actually. We did something crazy, we just jumped on a flight and uh, it was early in the morning and we did a one day trip. So we got up early in the morning, spent the day, did all the touristy stuff, you know, we went to Times Square, went to uh, Central Park, we went to all the different things. Then we flew home late that night because we're just crazy like that. You know, that's, that's how we are. Not really, but it was fun. And I remember, first of all, how many, how many of you are from New York? All right, I knew it, like half our church. <laughs> Welcome to Florida, by the way. Um, but I remember when we were in the, the, where the tree is, the Rockefeller Center or area or whatever, and we're around, there were so many people when we went. And we were literally pressing in around one another. And at one point I said, "Hey, we got to get out of here because I feel unsafe." There's this moment like when you're in a crowd and it's so dense and you're so packed in together where you're like this could go either way. Like one person that just pushes and we're all going down. This is kind of scary. And that's kind of what I imagine this woman experiencing as the crowd tries to press in against Jesus because he's so popular. He's so he's the healer. He's the one that people are going, "No, he is the one." that the demand was there, that people were just crowding in around Jesus. And here's this woman who could have said, you know what, that's gonna to be too much work for me to pursue him, so I'm just gonna lay back. And, you know, she, she said, forget that. I realize he's the one, but I'm gonna do what's, the, what's important for the next step is I'm gonna press in and I'm gonna push away whoever I, I don't know if she was throwing stiff arms at people or what, you know, but, but she was fighting through the crowd and she gets to the point where she can actually reach out and touch Jesus and she was healed. Why do I say that? Because sometimes you got to fight for what you really want. I'll put it this way. Your level of pursuit will always determine your level of breakthrough. Let me just say that again. Your level of pursuit will determine your level of breakthrough. So I just have a hard time believing that if you're, you have the posture and you have the demeanor where you're just kind of indifferent, maybe your arms are folded, and maybe you're just kind of disengaged, and you're like, well, God's not really showing up in my life. And I can say, look at... Look at your demeanor, look at your behavior. Are you really pressing in? Are you really spending time in prayer? Are you really hungering and thirsting after the things of God? Have you been spending your time asking, seeking and knocking or are you just the one that's laid back? Because you will miss out on so much that God has for you if you just stay disengaged. So reach out and overcome the obstacles. That's what this woman did. She was smart enough to say, if I wanna get healed, I have to get where he is. Some of you in this place today, you have to determine within your own life and say, if I want to, for example, experience freedom, I've got to get to where Jesus is, regardless of what obstacle is in my way. If I want to experience healing or if I want to be forgiven, if I want to be restored, if I want to get my breakthrough, don't look at the excuses and the the reasons why you can't. Just fight for, for Jesus. Fight on this pursuit so that you can grab a hold of him. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. In Matthew 2.1, the Bible says the magi came from the east to Jerusalem. What a pursuit. I can imagine how costly that would have been. Traveling through the deserts and day after day after day after day. They weren't going to like hop on a jet powered camel. That's not how it worked. They weren't going to take an Uber, right? No, it was a journey, but it was a journey that they said, it doesn't matter the obstacle. We're going to get to the place where Jesus is and we're going to recognize him as King. I love that salvation is a free gift. How many of you are saved today? You couldn't earn that. It's not because you were good enough. It's not because you were pretty enough or you had a certain amount of knowledge. It was just a gift that was given to you. But listen to this. In the same way, though, certain expressions of his power will only be exercised through things like fasting and praying and hungering and going outside of your comfort zone and overcoming obstacles and taking hold of what Jesus has for you. I was reading this um, article about a famous mountain climbing resort in the Swiss Alps. And they catered to businesses that encourage their employees to hike up mountain trails together. And uh, the goal is to build camaraderie and teamwork. And so they all, as, as a team, gather together at the bottom of this mountain. And they have this trek. They have this uh, goal to reach the top of the mountain. To get to this summit where they're like, okay, we've made it. And so everybody's excited. And it's about an eight-hour hike total. So you got about four hours up or five hours up, maybe a few hours to to come back down. And everybody's excited. The goal is to take a picture at the top of this mountain and everybody's excited. And as I read what typically happens, it was fascinating because about two hours up is where the first stop takes place. And all these tired, uh, cold hikers, they take off their coats and they hang them up and they take off their boots and they put them by the door. And in the corner, there's this like cozy fire that is, that is uh, going and, and they're, they're given hot chocolate to warm themselves up and then they're given a lunch and they, they get all full and happy. And then here's what's fascinating though. Once it's time to get back out there, once it's time to put their boots back on and put their coats back on, they say, all right, let's go. Do you know that in that moment, not even half of those that originally signed up tend to go on to reach their goal? Why is that? I think it's this, I think it's because they get a little bit of the success, they get a little bit of the experience, they get a little bit of this, and then they get the comfort of the lodge, and they're like, I could go back out there in the cold, but I'd rather not, because why, it's warm in here, and not even half finish what they intended to start. Why, why do I say that? I say that because of this. Some of us have gotten so comfortable with church. Some of us have gotten so comfortable just with, with services and faith assembly that we've sat back and we say, you know what? Originally, here's what I signed up for. Originally, here's what my pursuit was gonna look like. But you know what? I've kind of started to coast just a little bit. I've kind of started to settle in and I've gotten comfortable. And I just wanna call this out of this church that we would get our boots back on, that we put our coats back out, We'd go back outside and we say, you know what? We're going to finish what we started and we're going to continue to pursue Jesus. Amen? Amen? There's so much more, but we can't get comfortable. That's why my wise men still seek him. And when I say wise men, here's what I mean. Wise people, wise families, wise churches, wise pastors, wise moms and dads and young people. That's why we still seek seek him, and I'm gonna close with this. Those who seek after him will, number three, realize the reward, realize the reward. Verse 44 says, she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Jesus is still our healer today, amen? Sometimes we read this story and we, there's a disconnect because we're like, oh, that's great for that woman, but what if we were in that place that need, where we needed healing? And we reached out we fought for it and we said jesus i know you're the one and then we were healed there'd be an understanding then that he is truly our reward and he is today the magi when they saw the star the bible says they were overjoyed can you imagine if they just saw the star in the distance And they were overjoyed because they're like, you know what, all this is starting to come to uh, fruition. All this is starting to come into play. They were overjoyed at that moment. Can you imagine what they felt like when they were able to open up the door of that house and see Jesus as a child in person that was a great reward for them. They're thinking all this prophecy, all of this philosophy, all of this astronomy, the study, the education, it confirms that Jesus is here, and I get to worship him. They got to experience that reward for themselves. And I was listening to a podcast uh, a couple weeks ago. I was in the car all by myself, and it was, uh, it was this podcast host that was interviewing this woman who had... Um, been involved in prostitution and human trafficking. And at first it kind of started off on a little bit of a darker note and and I could tell that she she had victory, but as she began to describe the pain of all that she went through in in the years before, man, it was like my heart was just broken for her. Because she's talking about how she was used and how she was really abused, and she was hooked on drugs just to numb the pain. A terrible, terrible life, and, uh, and, and it was just, it was so dark, and it was so just hopeless. That's what it felt like, but then something happened, and the podcast host began to kind of say, well, what happened in your life, and she talked about how she found Jesus, and I got to tell you, man, you know how just you hear something sometimes, and it really ministers to you in a, in a fresh way, and it In a brand new way, I began to listen to her as she talked about the joy of Jesus. She talked about how she felt so abused and used and and just lost like no one could ever love her again. And she talked about the love of Jesus again in her life. She talked about how she was forgiven. She talked about how she felt pure again. And here I am, you know, in the car all by myself and I just have tears coming down my cheeks and I'm crying, I'm weeping because what it reminded me of is this, that Jesus is still the reward. Even today, no matter what our past looks like, no matter what we've been a part of, we can reach out and find Jesus and he's still the reward. And it just reminded me again too, you know what? The reason this church exists is to help people encounter Jesus. The reason this church exists isn't so that people can can encounter us or the staff or even just a service. No, no, no. We can't save heal, redeem. It's only Jesus. And so when we introduce people to him, we say, guess what? This is the reward. It's not about religion. It's not about rules. No, it's about finding true Jesus and what he represents in your life, which is freedom, hope, amen, (laughs) salvation, (laughs) redemption. And that's why if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator, If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But church, listen to this. Our greatest need was forgiveness. So what did he do? God sent us a savior, and his name is Jesus, amen? We are hardwired to pursue a savior like that. We will be most fulfilled and most satisfied when we begin this pursuit of finding Jesus. Wise men still seek Him today. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.